How we doing? This is Rob Boster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where well, you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. Hey, happy Sunday, everyone. This is Rob Foster with episode number 83 of Shut Up and Grind. Who would have thought? 83 episodes. Boy, oh boy. But sadly, this is, we have about a month left for the Sunday episodes. So it's going to be shifting to Monday because I do a lot with my, my gym crew as far as like obstacle races, hiking, and travel now that the world's starting to open up some. So I'm going to be shifting this show over to, I shouldn't even say this show because I'm completely re rebranding it, but there's going to be a debate show. It's going to be on Mondays at 11 a.m. It'll be myself and five other panelists. And at first I was like, where the hell am I going to find five people for every single Monday? But I'm already booking into the middle of September. <laughs> so people are out there and they're ready to share. We're going to have rational discussions about emotional topics. Okay, so that's it. Like I said, that show is going to be its own brand. And it's not going to be one of those slugfests talking over each other kind of shows because I won't allow it. Like I said, it's going to be a rational, positive, and hopefully purposeful discussion. Hey, my sister's on. Good morning. How are you? All right. So today, oh, wait, I didn't talk about the grind gear. Let's talk about the grind gear. So I know I got to put put the, the warm weather stuff up, but you know, we got sweatshirts, we got hoodies, we got men's cuts, women's cuts, tank tops, all that good stuff. We got mugs, masks, capris, the whole nine. Hey, shut up and grindgear.com. All right. So now today I have a guest for you, as I always do. And she has an absolutely amazing mission. And so what we're going to get there, you know, I'll let, let her take you through all of that once we get to know her better. Because, you know, I don't like to come in and just dive right in because an hour goes by and it's like, okay, so we spoke about all the great stuff that he or she does, but we know nothing about them. We know nothing about how they got there. So we're going to get to know her first and then we're going to talk about what she does because it's awesome. All right. So who is she? All right. So she is first and foremost a mom of two daughters. She's an entrepreneur. She's an author. She's an international speaker. She's a philanthropist, certified life coach, and founder of the nonprofit known as the Desire to Inspire Foundation, which is an absolutely fantastic name, by the way, which connects with communities around the world to break the cycle of extreme poverty. So please welcome Dawn Witte. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on your show. Thank you for being here, taking the time out of your day to share with the crew. So, first of all, how you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's it's uh, eight o'clock in the morning here. I'm up and ready, and I'm excited about today's interview. Nice. What? Where? Where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. 
Oh, you in LA. I'm on the East Coast in Rhode Island. Ooh, that is East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're right on the water. <laughs> All right. So as I ask every guest, who is Dawn? You know, just like what you said in the intro, I think the way I define myself is I'm a mother. That is the thing I was put here on this earth to do. I loved being a mother to my daughters. Um, and now that my daughters are grown, I still have that that desire and that passion in me to mother any child who doesn't who doesn't have a mother. Even if they do have a mother, I still, I just love. So that is at the end of the day, how I define myself. Love it. And have you always been that way? No, no. Um, I had my daughters when I was younger, um, but I, I I remember like growing up thinking, oh, I don't like kids. Like they okay. cry, they're messy, they're, <laughs> you know. And, and then I had my own children and I'm like, what was I even thinking? And I think it was because if I'd hear a child cry, I would say, oh my God make it stop crying. Yeah. And I thought the annoying, it was annoying me, but really it was the fact that I cannot stand to hear a child cry, you know? So I took it as one way, but really, you know, children are so amazing. They're precious. They're full of awe and inspiration. So that energy, I, I, my daughters always say I'm like a child anyway. So um, <laughs> I just relate to them so much. I definitely have big kid problems, <laughs> so, so I get it. All right, so when you were grow growing up, what was your dream job? You know, it's funny. I wanted, I always wanted to help people. You know, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, and then when I thought about the fact that I don't like blood or any of that kind of stuff, mm. I thought, well, it's probably not a good career choice. Uh, then I like thought about psychology because, again, it's helping people, and there's no blood. Um, mm. But then, you know, I, I, I. After I went to college for a little bit, I started thinking, is this really like how I want to spend my days listening to people tell me this problem and this problem, like person after person after person? I thought, no, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. And I went out into the workforce just to kind of get some real world experience to kind of figure out what do I want to do? And then I met my husband and we got married and I had my children. And then I knew what my purpose was. I loved being their mother. I loved raising them every moment, even the yucky ones, you know, and um so I, I didn't always see myself doing exactly this, but there were always little hints and echoes along the way, you know, this pull to Africa. And I would cry thinking about, you know, children not having food or animals, you know, being starving and not having homes. And so this has always been there. It just took me the time to get to hear through all of life's journey. Yeah, and we're and we're gonna dig dig into that life's journey. Mm -hmm. So, are you from LA? No, I, I'm originally from Ohio, Worcester, Ohio, small town oh, in Ohio. Right. I've lived here for 34 years though, so okay. I'm kind of a native. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm actually going to Ohio next month for uh, for an obstacle race. Just gonna go in, race, and leaving. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. All right. So. You always knew that you wanted to help people. So what was your circle of friends like when you were growing up? My circle of friends, you know, I, I used, I, I was friends with everybody, like, you know, all the groups, yeah. you know, um, and I would always have, you know, one or two very close friends um, in our neighborhood. You know, this is back in the day when little kids could go outside and your parents don't see you yes. until you cross and then you just yep. got your thing. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, usually like the leader. 
and because I was usually the oldest. And, you know, the little kids, I would always kind of like look after the little kids and stuff like that. So, you know, again, I look back at that. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was something, but it's always been there. Okay. Love it. And so what type of student were you? You know, I was a really good student up until about high school when I started saying, you know, why do I need to know this? <laughs> so, you know, I, mean, I, I, I was fine. I was good. Um, but, you know, traditional schooling was kind of boring for me. And I, I kind of like learning things through experience. Yeah. So, you know, I did go to college. I went back to college. I never finished my degree, but I've had so many college classes. But again, like I was a good student. But then I just stopped caring so much, you know, when I started getting older, because I'm like, eh, it's not feeling right. Yes. And what you said is I say all the time, you know, trying to trying to educate everyone at the same the same way, because I'm the same way. I ended up dropping out of college multiple times and I just figured like that's not the best way for me to learn. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like I, I. traveled the country going to seminars and masterminds and join joining groups and and I got educated that way and because that's what works for me like I need to be live I need to be hands-on like I just can't be barked at for an hour and a half and I'll be like it's just not gonna work all right so where'd you go to college um, I went to Cornell for a little bit. Okay. Then I went to school in New Mexico for a while. Um, and then when I went back to college, when my girls were in college, I went to, I did some online uh, California Southern University. Um, I think I started at Kaplan, just trying to put my feet in the water, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So I've done, I did a, a class at Harcum College online. So I've had a lot of different things, but yeah. you know, life has been my greatest teacher. I think raising my daughters has taught me more than any degree, you know, I could ever earn because, you know, that's real life. That's not just like studying facts and knowing, you know, history. That is like understanding what life, why we're here. Well, and, and even being in the workforce, you just, you just learn, you just learn things, you know, working, working as a team, you know, look, uh, learning to respect authority, learning how to deal with, with stress, you know, when things don't go right. Like I, I spent 20 years managing restaurants and there's times where, you know, the grill breaks. <laughs> it's like, how, how do we navigate this with the, with the grill broken? Or, you know, just people calling out sick, people getting hurt, people having to leave for family emergencies. Like it, it, just, it teaches you how, how to multitask. And I think as a parent, because I, I have five kids, and just as a, as a parent, those skills actually come in handy. You know, when one kid's doing this and one kid's doing that, like you, you have to be able to multitask and then going into business, those principles all still carry over. Yes. Yes. So were you an athlete? No. No? Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I I did play volleyball for a little bit. Love volleyball. Um, I'm not huge. I'm more of a, like, if I do work out, which I don't do very much, which I'm sorry to tell you that, Um, (laughs) but you know, it's like, it's like alone things like running or, you know, things like that. Not, I'm not, I love watching basketball, but I'm not a big sports person. Okay. Do, Do you follow any particular team? I'm a Laker fan. Okay. I'm a Laker fan. Yeah. Like I, I started out as a kid. I, I was a Lake, I was a Lakers fan, mainly because I liked the colors. <laughs> that was that was the, the main reason why I was like, I want to wear that that purple and purple and yellow mix. Like I loved it. 
then Michael Jordan came on the scene and I jumped oh, on, yeah. right on his bandwagon. <laughs> like, I didn't even necessarily like the Bulls. I liked him. Yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's too funny. It's like, I just asked that just because a lot of times people who are who are former athletes, like they carry those same principles over in, into business. So mm-hmm. just like to, like to get that background as we build the story. All right. So now you leave college and then what was your first position? Um, you know, I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I took a couple different jobs. Um, one, what, this is funny. One job was, um, they did a trial for a day at this very busy coffee shop in Marina Del Rey and they didn't want me back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Um, and my, my first big, like real job was a sales assistant in Beverly Hills. Where, you know, at the time I was, I was 18, you know, just moved to Los Angeles and I get hired, you know, a girl from Ohio gets hired in Beverly Hills. And, you know, I, it was when I look back at the time, I didn't think it was anything, you know, but now I look back and I'm like, huh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was like really special. Again, I didn't finish my college degree and I was, I was learning the stock in the financial markets and that industry. And it was, it was a really good experience to like have that uh knowledge now behind me without having to study business (laughs) true (laughs) so true (laughs) all right so so now what was what was lacking within you fulfillment wise as you were bouncing between the different jobs you know i don't think i was thinking in those terms then i was just you know i was just doing what I was doing, you know, I was finding a job, paying the bills, you know, living my life, stuff like that. I wasn't asking myself about purpose and why am I here? And, you know, what do I want in my life? I was literally just kind of being. Um, So I I didn't ask those questions at that moment. And then once I had my daughters, then my purpose was right there. Like there was no questioning. It was when my daughters got to be adults that I had to start looking at myself and saying, okay, what do you want the rest of your life to look like? Mm. Okay. So, so what were you doing as you were raising your daughters career wise? I was stay at home mom. Okay. But I took every volunteer opportunity that came my way. So I was PTA president. I was national charity league president. I was assistant soccer coach on their soccer teams. I was public works commissioner in my city. So even though I didn't have a a job that paid me, I was getting life experience. And, you know, those, those positions taught me so much about leadership and working with people and, you know, again, who I wanted to be. Yeah. Saying again, those, those experience, those experiences, they go, they go such a long way. You know, like one thing I I don't like when children are told, you know, if you you don't go to college, you're going to end up pumping gas. You know, it's like, that's, that's, such an awful message to send, you know, such an awful message. And when, when I do, when I do uh, talks in schools, I make, I make sure I address that. I said, absolutely. You definitely want to go as far as your education can take you. If that works for you, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like you have to let them know, like if if you graduate high school and you decide college doesn't work for you, there's other ways to get educated. Everybody learns differently. Everybody has a different purpose. We don't have to believe in the narrative that your life is supposed to be a certain way. 
Yeah. You know, you're supposed to go to school. You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to, you know, that is not how it is. It is different for every single person. And so think outside of the box and then you're going to be a lot happier because you're not trying to force yourself to fit into something that wasn't meant for you. Yes. And, and the other side to that is to not let people force you into a box. Because that happens as well, where people will have a great idea, and then here comes someone from the side and just, you can't do that, You're, you need this, you need that, and it's so not true. So it's about having your eye on the prize and just moving forward. Mm-hmm. And also appreciating that you have your own unique skills, your own unique gifts, and you're not supposed to be like anybody else. Exactly. You know, you're, you're here to do your thing. And we don't compare ourselves. We don't compare where we are with where somebody else is because this is our journey. Yes. Every one of us. Yes. I say that in, in the fitness world all the time, you know, like group fitness classes is dominated by females, you know, attendance wise. And that w- women do that all the time because I want to look like her. I want her arms. I want her legs. I want the, I'm like, you have to look at you and we have to maximize you. Because everyone's body's different, everyone's metabolism metabolism diff- uh, different, the bone structure is different. Like, there's so many different factors that go into it. You know, for like for someone who's shorter, like you're never going to be taller. And for someone who's taller, you're never going to be shorter. <laughs> you know, so it's like you you have to own what life gave you. And to, to your point, we were all born with a certain skill set. You know, with a certain set of, set of gifts, and we all come through some type type of journey like anyone that wants to be on this show i don't turn around i don't turn away anyone because everybody has a story you know like like i want to get people on here and share that story so it'll inspire other people to to go after what they really want all right Mm -hmm. so so now your daughters are getting older so so when when were you starting to prepare yourself for for them to become adults and you shifting back to you like did they hit a certain age where, where, where you're like Wow, like they could be gone in a few years. Um, they're never gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think when they were in college, because you know, I was still taking care of the house and the pets. I've always had tons of animals in my house and, mm-hmm. you know, cleaning and paying the bills and grocery shopping. And I just started thinking, you know, how am I spending my days? You know, I mean, there's more to my life than just cleaning and vacuuming and doing laundry. Yeah. Um So I started asking myself, okay, now that my purpose is no longer, you know, I can, I'm still their mother. I will always be their mother, but I don't need to pack their lunches anymore. You know, I, I say, you know, when they're adults, when you pack their lunches is a little frowned upon. (laughs) (laughs) So I really started having to say, okay, what do I want the rest of my life to look like? And I remember I, I asked God and I just said, you know, what am I good at? And the the message I got was, you know how to love people. I'm like, well, what do I do with that? <laughs> but since then, I understand that love is our highest currency. Love is why we exist on this planet. We're here for each other. So I'm glad that I'm good at that. And that's why I am where I am now doing what I do now is because I want to share that message I want to help children everywhere see that there is something amazing within them. No matter what anybody has told them, no matter what society has put upon them, no matter what circumstance they come from, they are important. They are special. They are needed. The world needs their unique gifts. And so, again, you know, from that conversation about, you know, how to love people well, I am now here doing this. 
Love it. That's great. Because like one thing I do with with my coaching program is I help people figure out what they're good at. Because a, a lot of times they're really good at something and don't even realize it. Or they don't <laughs> value it. Yeah, that that too. That that too. They're thinking that it's not it's not special. You know what I mean? And so as I go through, kind of kind of how how I do do this. Like as you're talking, I'm taking notes. You know, so like as people, I do my consultations with them. And I sit there and I just write stuff down. And I was like, are you aware that you're that X, Y, Z? Like you can turn that into something. And they, they have no idea. So just sometimes we think we have to go learn something. We have to go learn a new skill. And I was like, nine times out of 10, it's right on the tip of your tongue what your superpower is. You know, your soul like, knows. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, we got a comment here. Check that out. Mrs. Dawn brought something in my life that challenged my mind that changed me until now. She taught me to love and be. Love it. Love it. Uh, Don't make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) See, but that's exactly why we do what we do. You know, it's like we we don't do this stuff just so we can hear ourselves talk, you know, for situations like like, like that. And that person will never forget you. Never. (laughs) You know, that's. Yep, and that's the impact that every one of us has the power to have on the world. You know, like you, like you said, love is everything, but unfortunately, hate makes money. You know, just just look at look at the TV. You know what I mean? They they're constantly bombarding us with hatred and crimes and racism and police brutality and like everything is all negative. But what? What you know why? Because what they fear is if seven billion of us just put love out into the world, mm-hmm. politics would fall apart. <laughs> you know, so I know that's a different topic for a different day, but no, hundred percent. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I started Desire to Inspire Foundation was because you do turn on the news and you see negative story after negative story, and if you go by that, you would think the world is a dismal, terrible, yeah. dark, dreary place. Those things do exist, but I know so many people doing so many amazing things, helping animals, helping mothers, helping children. And I just think, you know, I want to share. That's why I started it to share those stories. So kind of like to, to put the antidote to that, that thing that we see on TV all the time. And then I went to Africa for the first time and I thought, talk about inspirational people. You know, Mama Josephine has got, she's taking care of 67 children. She does not know how she's going to feed herself. For a while, she was literally taking food off when they would um, put the the grains in the burlap bags to take to market. She would scoop up the leftovers and take them to feed these children. 67. Think about that. I mean, you have five kids. I only have two. But um, 67 kids. That's amazing. that's an inspiration. These are stories that I want to share because I think when it puts our lives in so much perspective. So if there's something that happens to me today, my car, my battery dies, or I have a leak in my house or something that used to be like, oh God, you know, this is so terrible. And I'm like, you know what? I have water in my house. You know, I can get that fixed. I have a car that my battery could die in. So I'm really grateful for everything I have. And again, seeing what these people go through and still give and love, it inspires me on a daily basis. Yes. Like we take so much for granted in this, in this country. Now I haven't left the country, but doing this show, I have an, I have an international audience. So like I've had guests on from across the world. 
and just hearing their stories and just some of the things that they go through. And like, we complain when I, we crack our phone screen, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, that's the end of the world where like th- there was someone who, who got injured and they had to walk 30 miles to the nearest medical center. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just amazing. Like, with my parents, with my upbringing, like they always raised raised us to be grounded and to be to be a, the appreciative. And between the two of them, like they they worked really hard. It's like you know we weren't poor by any means, but they always taught us to be to be mindful, you know, to be appreciative, to have have gratitude. And there's just so many people that don't, <laughs> you know, that don't. But once you bring that into your world, everything changes. You know, Absolutely. You just look at everything differently. But then you start seeing the opportunities that are actually out there for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of what I've written some books and there are seven words that we could all choose to be to live our greatest lives. And one of them is grateful. One of my words is grateful because once we're grateful, then more things to be grateful come into our life. Like Brian, for example. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. the amazing people and the amazing connections that I have met through this journey ever since I took that scary leap and said, you know what? I don't know anybody in Africa. I don't know what I'm going to see. I don't know what I'm going to expect, but I'm going. And ever since I did that, just life has opened up all kinds of opportunities and the people I've met have just been tremendous. So how, how did that trip come about? Oh, well, you know, I was, I was, as you said, you know, going to workshops and seminars and getting my life coaching and doing all these kind of different things just to explore like who I was and what I wanted to do in my next steps. And um, I met this woman at a, a glamour event and um, she was wearing this beautiful necklace and this beautiful outfit. And I complimented her on it because it was just stunning. And she goes, Oh, this is from where I'm from. You know, I'm from Ghana. And she said she was going to be queen of her village um, in, you know, it was in November. And so she said it was going to happen in March or April. And so I said, Oh, I've always wanted to go to Africa. And she goes, Oh, you should come. And I thought, well, you know, what an opportunity, you know, to go to, to see a queen be coronated of, of her village. Um, <laughs> our paths never crossed. We, did, we didn't connect. But when she told me, you know, beginning of April, I said, you know what? I'm going to go. And if we're, our paths don't connect, I'm going to figure out something else. So I vol- I signed up for a volunteer um, trip. And then I had a week and then I started meeting people on social media. And one of these people that I met before I ever went there is one of my best friends to this day, Nana. Um, And so, again, I went not knowing what to expect, not knowing anybody. And just this magical journey just came from that. Wow. What part did did you go to? When I initially went, I went to Ghana. Since then, I've been back three other times. And now I've been to Ghana. Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda, and Sierra Leone. Awesome. Love it. All right. So, so what, what was the experience like? It was life affirming. It was magical. It was beautiful. Um, there's just so much love there. There's so much happiness despite the challenges that they face. These people that I know are just 
they're happy. They're soulful. You know, they dance, they're smiling and laughing and giggling. The children love very freely. Um, you know, there's the, not the stranger danger kind of mentality where, you know, the, the, you know, teenagers here are a little bit like, you know, moody and cranky and stuff. Not there. <laughs> not there. So it is just, you're surrounded by love. I mean, for me, that's my experience. Um, you know, the landscape's beautiful. You know, they have all these amazing resources. The animals are magical. So, I mean, I can't say enough about it. All right. So after your first trip, when you cut, when you came back to the States, like what, what was your, your, your biggest takeaway from that trip? Oh, I think my biggest takeaway was like, I found renewed sense of purpose you know, renewed passion for living. And, and not that I was depressed or anything before, but yeah. it really gave me motivation. Again, being grateful for all I had, you know, I mean, taking a shower, if there was water, it was cold, you know, and taking a warm shower. I just, again, it just made me so mindful of how many blessings I have. And, you know, we can do with so much less than what we think we need. Yeah, and I think, again, it's the purpose part. Yeah, I think 2020 proved that too. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's like, I was like, we really don't need all, all the stuff that, that we do. But that we think we do. Yes. So what were some of the, the living conditions like there? <sighs> well, um, when I stayed at the first trip, I stayed in a, a there were bunk beds and, you know, um, it was a, the volunteer house at the school where uh, there were 60, over 60 children that live there full time. And then they have over 800 children in the community that go to school there. Um, So I stayed there. So it was kind of like a dorm, uh, nothing fancy at all. (laughs) And uh, when I went to Sierra Leone, I slept on the floor with 31 girls. Um, You know, so that was interesting. Nana slept on a plastic chair (laughs) and I tried to sleep in a plastic chair. I'm like, no, that's not cutting it. So Mm. I slept on the floor. Um, So when I go, it's not glamorous. I I, I want to experience what they are living in. You know, just to look at it, observe it is not good enough for me. I need to be on the ground, dirty, you know, sleeping on the floor to really be able to like feel what they are living in every single day. Because I know I'm going back home to my bed, you know. True. And so the education, like what what were the schools like? Um, The schools are, you know, they're a lot stricter than they are here. You know, they still like will hit the kids, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which, you know, I always say, you know, I can't tell anybody what to do. I never will. That's I'm not going to come in and say you shouldn't be doing this. But if it's a program that I'm putting on, I'm very clear that we don't do that in my program. Yeah. Um, But, you know, again, the kids are they're so smart. They I I remember um, the boys would come to me and show me the sketchbooks that they, you know, they would look on YouTube and they'd find out how to shade and do things like that. I mean, these children are talented and gifted and just, uh, it's amazing how, how intelligent they are and how gifted and just giving them the opportunities. Yeah. You know, they can do anything. Love it. And you were, you were welcomed in with open arms by the locals? Beyond, beyond welcomed, embraced. I, I just feel so loved. Mama Pat 
she, um, her husband, Patrick, and her have the school in Ghana. Um, we are sisters. I mean, she is my soul sister. She told me, I don't even have to tell her when I'm coming. Just come. So you just show up. You have a place here always. Yeah. I mean, it is family. Love it. All right. So now when did you decide to start Desire to Inspire? Um, it was about four and a half years ago. And then I went to Africa four years ago. So I had started Desire to Inspire with the notion of sharing amazing inspirational stories with people. And then I went to Africa and then the focus kind of shifted, not really shifted, but I kind of started going more in the, I've, I've got to help them. I cannot know what they live what circumstances they live with and go back home and just say, you know, it's nice to know you. They're my family now. Yeah. So I need to stay involved. I love them. Love it. Yeah. That's, that's a bucket list item for, for me. Come with me. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like I would love to go, to go on a trip there and just, just to see, you know, definitely. And and meet all my friends because they're absolutely amazing. Yeah. No, I can tell because every time you talk about them, you just glow. So like, no, you can tell, <laughs> like, that's how, you know, when someone's found their passion, they light right up. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I look at, I look at some of the photos of me on the ground in Africa and I'm dirty, you know, I don't have any makeup on, you know, I had a cold shower and I think, you know what? I love how I look in those pictures. And usually I'm like, you look at, I don't like the way that looks or I look fat in that or whatever, whatever. But in those, there's no question. Even if I look terrible, my heart is smiling. My soul is shining. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. All right. So what was the process like to get the business started? Oh, you know, there's the the forms and the filings and the things like that. And sometimes I'm not really good at the paperwork. So, you know, it was the biggest challenge was the decision to do it, yeah. you know, and then you've got legal zoom and all kinds of different resources to help you with the structure of all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and it's a process, you know, you don't just start one day and say, Oh, now I've done all that I wanted to do. You know, it takes some time. You build your reputation, you meet different people. So it's an ongoing process. um, But it has literally just been believing, having faith that this is what I'm here to do. No matter what challenge I face, I'm going to keep plugging through because, you know, the destination is there. Yes. Yeah. My sister says I should de- definitely visit, you know, Africa's amazing. Kenya, Botswana, Nigeria. Yeah, I told you it's on a list. It'll happen. It'll definitely happen. All right. So you get all that legal stuff done. So how did you come up with the overall mission? Again, that evolved, that evolved yeah. from the inception. It was to inspire people, share inspiring stories. Um, and then traveling to Africa, again, sharing those inspiring stories, but also helping uplift them. Because one of the things I see that has been happening for a long time is, you know, we send well-intentioned, we send old clothes and things like that. And I said, you know, instead of spending all the money on shipping our old discarded items, let's spend that same money on the ground there. So the seamstress, the local seamstress or tailor, the local shopkeeper, the local store owner, they get business. So then everybody in the community gets uplifted and elevated. So that's what my focus has been on because again, they're gifted. They just need the opportunities. So let's give them the opportunities and the faith and the belief in themselves is really the greatest thing you could give anybody. So just being able to do that is already uplifting, but then, you know, doing the real on the ground stuff, like 
shopping at the seamstress and the tailor and giving them work so they can use their own skills to support themselves and then support others. Love it. So do you focus solely, solely on Africa or have you branched out? Um, I do some stuff in the United States too. Um, I, I get requests from all over the world and right now I'm so, I, I can't, you know, yeah. I, I want to help everybody, but I can't help everybody. Yeah, exactly. So right now my focus is on Africa, but you know, as the more we grow, the more the foundation grows, I, I want to lift people everywhere. Agreed. You know, along, along those lines, like I hear people saying, you know, like people worried about the kids in the Philippines, you know, kids in India, kids, kids in Africa, like, you know, what about the kids here in the U S and my answer to that, and it may, it may not be a, a popular answer, but it's my answer nonetheless, is that we, people, people flee to come here. <laughs> you know, it's like people flee to come here. I think if we could just turn off the blinders, stop listening to the political parties and just focus on what you want to get done People can get it done. Like I had an Israeli immigrant on the show a while ago and, you know, we were going through his, his backstory about being in the Israeli army and everything. And he came here with a thousand dollars. He and five other people stayed in a one bedroom apartment and he's now the founder and CEO of restoration 911, the cleaning company, a multi-million dollar franchise. And his exact words were, he's like, I don't understand why people, talk so badly about this country. He's like, if you come in and just focus on what you got to focus on, you can get it done. But I feel like some of these other countries, like they don't have the same luxuries that we have here. Just like you were saying about like just taking a warm shower, like they can't do that there, you know? So I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Well, you know, I, I've always volunteered with kids. Um, I worked as a court appointed special advocate, volunteered as a court appointed special advocate for the children in the foster care system. Um, and I had m several kids that I was, you know, their guardian ad litem. Um, but I, I and I love them, but I see their needs. They have cell phones, you know, they, they, they want to get their nails done. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But yeah. if there's a child somewhere in this world that is hungry or doesn't have clean water, that's where I'm going to put my energy and effort. And again, I will touch anybody's life in love that I possibly can. So it's not like I'm limited to Africa, but the needs there. And, and again, these people are now my family. It's not random, strange strangers. These are children I know I love. I've hugged, I've bathed, you know, I've mm -hmm. helped with their homework, those kind of things. So that I've been called there. And I don't know why, you know, but maybe somehow I heard their prayers or something, but it's always been inside of me all along, you know, uh, whether it's buying African prints and stuff, you know, growing up, I'm half Indian. So I don't even know why it's not India that I've been called to first, but that's, I, I followed the call and that's all I can say. And it has not let me down once. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So. All right, so, so now you start you start the company. So like how long did it take for you to start growing? Oh, well, it's funny, you know, I started Desire to Inspire, then I went to Africa, I went to Ghana the first time. Then yeah. the next time um, I went, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to Uganda too, because Mama Josephine had reached out to me. Again, I didn't know. Is she a legitimate person, whatever, but she showed me her those children she was taking care of. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, 
Oh, now I can't even go back to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so again, it's it's evolving, um, and it's been growing ever since I first started going. But it's it's me being the crazy person saying, you know what? Then the next time I'm going to go Sierra Leone too. So now I've got children in three different countries, um, and it's I I think it's just going to continue to evolve and grow. Awesome, love it, love it, love it. So what do you see as I don't want to say next steps because really your your work is really never going to be done. <laughs> but right. but do you, do you see it see it evolving any further? Yeah, I mean, I always say I want to help lift the continent of Africa, and it's because Africa there's no need for it to be in the situation that it is. They have abundant resources. You know, they grow things there that nobody can grow anywhere else in the world. You know, and so it's like, you know, it's just a, a flow problem. It's getting the resources to the people instead of, you know, keeping resources in like little pockets. Yeah. So that's my goal. Um, and I'm going to, if I don't do it in this lifetime, I'm going to do it in the next. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is your husband involved or does he do his own thing? Um, I'm single. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You meant, you mentioned no, no, no. Husband I, earlier. I, I was, I was married for um, almost 30 years and I love my former husband. We are, you know, we raised two great daughters. He's a wonderful man. Our just paths just started diverging because we got married when we were young. So I have no regrets, zero regrets. Gotcha. All right. My sister's asking a question. So now there's a time delay on the live feed versus when I get the, the, the question. So I'm assuming this question is, why do you think Africa is in the in the state it is because it has so many resources? And Monique, if that's not not it, ask again. But I'm pretty sure that's what she's referencing. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know. I think it is maybe selfishness of certain you know people. Maybe their political leaders have let them down. You know, I don't know exactly the reason, but it doesn't have to be. I know that for sure. Yeah. And that's what I want to focus on, not the why, because I don't know the why. I think it's a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, p- power definitely plays a role. That's our biggest problem here. <laughs> you know, like, so it's, you got, you got two sides with two completely different agendas and it's all a power grab, like, and people are suffering because of it. And it doesn't have to be just like you said, it absolutely does not have to be. So. I agree. You know, one of the things I've, I see in the world is like there are a lot of things that we can allow to divide us if we choose. Yeah. You know, politics is one, race is one, religion is another, you know, name it. You know, yeah. now with COVID, there's the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and the mask wearers. And then, the, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. my gosh, can we all just get along? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's exactly why I'm starting that show on mo- Monday, because there, there's so much drama but like people can have we can have a difficult conversation and be adults <laughs> so it's like we don't we don't have to be two-year-olds just because we disagree and it and it's okay to be on either, either side like if you are you think everyone should should be vaccinated all right get yours and be done with it <laughs> if you don't want to get it don't get it and be done with it <laughs> it's like nobody else has to share your opinion 
<laughs> yes. And, you know, I think once we realize that everybody's had different life experiences, so that shapes how we see everything, right? Yes. And your experience is different than my experience. So you're not right. And I'm not wrong. It's like, yes. can we just agree that we have a difference of opinion and say, you know, we can agree to disagree and be fine. But I yes. think people like to be right. Um, you know, I'm a vegetarian. I chose to be vegetarian when I like 30 years ago. And, and I am a carnivore. It's okay. <laughs> Again, I have no pain. You know what? Yeah. I didn't tell my daughters that they had to be vegetarian. Yeah. I I fed them meat. I cooked meat for them because I wanted them to make that decision on their own. Now, when they were five and four, they realized that eating a chicken was a chicken and they never ate it again. But <laughs> I didn't even want to make decisions like that for my own children. Yeah. So I certainly don't want to make a decision for anybody else, but I'm allowed to have my opinions too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And and that's one, one of the, see, but dif- differences of, if we all thought the same, the world would be so boring. Right. <laughs> you know, all, so like, it's okay to be on one side or the other. But but the problem is, is you want to shove your opinion down somebody else's throat. And that's where it goes wrong. It's like, okay, so you like iPhone, I like Android. It's okay. It, it doesn't diminish any of our intelligence because I want an Android and you want it. Okay, let it go. You know? yeah, enjoy your phone. I love mine. We're cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, that's, that, that show's good. That, that show's going to be fun. Like, really is. Cause, Sounds fun. Yeah, you know, because... I, I listened to some other ones, and like I said, it says people are yelling, they're talking over each other, they're talking about stuff that happened ages ago, and and I get it. You know, you definitely have to have to understand, you know, history to really correct the president. But if you only are looking that way, then the president stays the same. <laughs> you know, so so this is we're going to be talking about, you know, people like like you. You saw a need, and you're taking action. Yeah. You know, like too many times we just argue about the need. And how the need got there and whose whose fault is it that the need arises? And it's like, um, hello, nobody's fixing the need. <laughs> it's like the need's still here. So it's about Absolutely. Fixing. Yes. Absolutely. I'd love to be on that one day. Okay. Yeah, I can give you the uh the link. Like I said, I'm booking into mid September now for that one. Awesome. But uh yeah, and and, and and it's like I said, and it's good to hear other people's opinions. And and again, a lot of times too, it stems from your life experiences. You know, like you yes. knew, like, like you knew, you know, early on, well, when you became a mom that, you know, you know what, like, I, I like helping people, you know, I like this process, you know, so like, you're obviously a natural born nurturer. I mean, I know they say most women are natural born n- nurturers, but it's like, you wanted to take it to a different level, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really, when I said mother describes me, I am a nurturer. I love, I have that. I've told you I have. It's embarrassing, but at one point we had 13 cats and oh, wow. four dogs. Okay. <laughs> so I love taking care of things. I love nurturing things. And it, you know, so that's part of who I am. That defines me. And I'm I, I didn't used to think that that was such a skill or a talent or a gift, but it yeah. is. So, you know, I'm doing it as boldly as I can now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like my. My sister, you know, likes to remind me that I'm the baby and I'm the most, I, I'll call it confident. They'll say it's cocky, but <laughs> say I'm the most cocky of all the kids. But like, the, my, my thing is, it's, I've always been just a doer, just get it done. Like no matter what it is, no matter what the task is, no matter how big the obstacle, get it done. You know, you focus on the task, you can get it done. 
So like, it just do- doesn't matter. So when I approach, you know, certain hot button topics, I'm just like, yeah, but if you put all that aside and focus on the task, you can get it done. <laughs> right? So it's about getting it done. So if I'm playing basketball and the guy I'm guarding is six foot nine and I'm six, one and a half, you know, I can't make him any shorter. Right. So I have to adapt my game if I'm going to score on him. So the game of life is the same way. If, if you if you're for whatever reason, you're finding roadblocks in your way. You know, you can pick an ism because there's isms for everything now. You, know, yeah. you can pick an ism. So you can either let that ism define you and stop you or you can forge your own path and get right past it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, that's yeah. what it's down to. I've never let being a woman keep me from doing anything I wanted to do. I've never let being a woman of color, you know, keep me from doing what I want to do. I'm just forging ahead. Yes. See, and you said the key words there is about let. Like, you never let it get in the way. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about I talk about personal accountability all the time. Personal accountability. And I know one of my, one of my shows is going to be going to be a hot button topic because we're going to talk about about the Chauvin trial and so I'm not not going to go much into it because I want people to watch that episode you know but but I have opinions on it, you know so like if you're going to talk about accountability like you can't just talk about about it on one side you know mm. it's got to be accountability on both sides <laughs> you know so both sides could have taken steps and then that whole tragedy would have never happened you know what I mean but but that that's where politics and narratives and everything else gets it gets in the way but like and I know it has to be that way just because it's all about power, you know? Mm. But So all we can do is control what we can control. And you've taken what you can control and you're making, you're doing your part to make a difference in the world. You know, I want to feel like I'm doing my part by helping people unclutter their minds, helping them get obstacles out of their way and forge their path to what it is they want to do, you know? And so for people out there who are listening, you know, reach out, like reach out. So when I was stuck, when I, you know, I'm good at what I was good at, but there were things I had to learn along the way. So I found mentors. You know, I found mentors to teach me about marketing, to teach me about branding, to teach me about Facebook ads, you know, to teach. And I, I was already a good speaker, but I still went to a speaker boot camp. And now I'm an even better speaker and a storyteller now, you know, so like the, the steps that you can take to be the best version of you. And then if you dedicate yourself to helping other people become the best versions of them, you know, that's how you leave a lasting legacy. Absolutely. I just went to church right there. (laughs) Sunday morning. (laughs) You know, so, so give, give us some, give us some final words here as we start to wind down. And then the final words usually take about 10 minutes. So that's why I'm asking you now. Well, I always like to end, you know, with my final words is, you know, we can all, you don't have to go to Africa, you don't have to go to a foreign country to feed people to make a difference in the world. Every single interaction we have every single moment, whether it's in traffic, if it's in the grocery store, if it's with our own families and our jobs, whatever, we can be a kinder person, we can be compassionate, we can add value to every relationship even if it's a stranger you're just walking past smile say hello that is energy that you put out and you know we can't see the energy but it's there and it 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 vibrates differently it feels differently you know animals know it because they they see 
they feel energy more than we do. Children are very um, aware of it, even oh, though they yeah. don't understand that. They they literally will like cling to somebody who's just putting out love and kindness. You know, so we can all make the world a better place by with every single interaction. And I think if we thought in those terms and stopped competing with each other, realized that we're all running our own race, you know, we, we, we're not in competition with anybody, you know, we're all here to like help support, elevate, uplift, inspire each other, encourage each other. Then, you know, our lives are happier and then the world is happier. Yep. And to just sum it up with what, with what one, well, a series of words, but to just show you care. That's it. Just somebody, just show somebody that you care, you know, and that in itself can completely change their world. Absolutely. Just showing them that you care. Like I was in North Carolina. This was a couple weeks ago now. And the people down there were so friendly. See us Northeasterners, like, you know, we have that stigma that we're all moody and, you know, we're not personable. And I mean, it's true to a point. Like you can walk right past people and never make any eye contact. But I was hiking in uh, the Chimney Rock State Park down there, like south of, well, in the Asheville area, beautiful area. But like everybody I walked by, everyone doesn't matter what they look like, how old they were, how how old they were, like everyone. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Like every single person. <laughs> I was like, this this is new. <laughs> I was like that stuff doesn't happen back home. You know, it's funny. When I was in Ghana the first time, I would go walking down this little path where the school was, you know, and and. E- I started doing an experiment. I would be like, you know, everybody I walk by, I'm going to say good morning, good afternoon, hello, smile, whatever. Every single person, whether they're thinking in their thoughts, you know, they're looking, you know, whatever, that smile would change their whole demeanor. Mm-hmm. And they are, that is very common. You know, people are very friendly and warm and outgoing. And then I came back here. I'm like, I'm going to try it here too. And, you know, some people, will respond. Most will. But yeah. every once in a while, you'll get that person that just won't even look at you, won't respond. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting. You know, t- in Texas, people are super friendly like that, too. So yeah. I do notice that at different places, that is. And I love being around the energy of people doing that. Yes. Yeah. And like in some places, it, it depends what part. Because you, know, you could take New York City. You know, New York City is a huge city. I mean, kind of like L.A., but it's a huge city. And then there are some parts where, like, you you'll like you don't want to talk to anyone <laughs> just because people just look like they're in the zone. Don't bother me. But then there's other parts where it's, like, just a whole whole different environment. You know, it's like, wow. So I guess it just kind of depends on the area. You know, we took my girls to France many years ago. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, you hear French people are rude, you know, they hate mm. Americans, whatever. And I thought, you know what? That hasn't been my experience. Wherever you go, again, people respond to you. You know, there's going to be somebody who's having a bad day or maybe they're just not a nice person, whatever. But for the most part, if you are kind, you get kindness back. Yeah, it's true. I agree. I agree with that 100%. So there was there, there was a gentleman when I was in North Carolina. So I'm sitting at, at a picnic table and I'm working on a book because I'm writing a book. And so there's five picnic tables. I'm at one. The other four are empty. For whatever reason, this guy came and sat down at my table. <laughs> and so, so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And, and I really think he just, he just needed someone to talk to. Like he was by himself. And so we spoke for probably about 
30 to 40 minutes just about life. You know, he was an older, older Caucasian man. And we just sat down and just talked. We had a great conversation, you know, and I and I just hate that I have I have to specify he was a Caucasian man, you know, just to, to get the magnitude of it with all the racial tension now. And uh, but he just sat down and we just had a great talk. And it, it made it made his morning that I stopped what I was doing and had a conversation with him. Yeah. Fun. You know, if we don't if we don't believe, I don't believe. I don't meet strangers. Like I just believe that everybody is interconnected and, you know, let's treat each other like that. Treat each other the way we would like to be treated. I mean, it's simple. It's really a simple thing and it really does work. It really does. The, the amount of love and happiness in my life is incredible, but it's because I just love people and I'm not here to judge them. I'm not here to tell you what to do or who to be. I don't even tell my dogs what to do. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just here to love you and accept yeah. you and to, you know, and I feel like if we could, if we could reach people from that place, we're going to be happier. And then again, those around us will also be happier. Yes. And I always say my job is to help people unlock their, their potential. And sometimes, sometimes it's not always well-received, but that's, that's just who I am. So from my, from my, my gym clients, my, my fitness clients, I've helped 20 of them go on to become trainers just from simply saying, have you ever considered being a coach? <laughs> just planting the seed and like, no, do you think I can do it? You know, I was like, well, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't think you had the tools. And I was like, hey, have you ever considered sharing that story? They're like, no, nobody wants to hear that story. I'm like, I'm a speaker. I'm telling you, people want to hear that story. <laughs> and I was like, I was, I was just browsing on Facebook uh, and Instagram, actually. And I don't ever really, I'm not a big Instagram person. Like, I do most of my stuff on Facebook. And so one, one of my, one of my gym, gym, gym owner friends I saw she was on a live feed. She's always she's always on a live feed. I've never once tuned in. And so this one day I had a cancellation and then I see her live feed. Like, you know what? Let me click on it. And so I click on it and the woman she's interviewing, she survived a heart attack and a stroke in her early 30s. <laughs> you know, so I was like, wow. And then just as I'm listening, as I'm listening to her, like, you know, she did a, did a pretty good job articulating her story. But there were things that she could have amplified to put more power into the story. And so I just reached out to her randomly. I'm like, hey, I you know, heard you on the show. And so we had connected. And then a woman that I helped start a podcast, she's a clinical psychologist. I told her about her. Those two connected. She spoke on her podcast. You know, it's like she's speaking on mine. And all because I just had a feeling that I need to listen to this to this episode. So this one of those things where, like, when you listen to your intuition, mm-hmm. great, great things happen. <laughs> you know, it happens. And when you when you think that things aren't random, and you think there there's significance behind all of those things, you happened to tune into that podcast on that day at that moment. Yeah, you know, that's not random. Yes. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, along those those lines too, I was on. I got asked by one of my gym clients. She, she she's a speaker, speaker, business coach, also. And she had invited me to a networking event. Like it was in the evening. Now I'm an early bird. So I'm usually up in the four o'clock hour. So by like 7 p.m. I'm done. And so, me too. Wanted, <laughs> you know, so she wanted me to come to this networking <laughs> event. 
And as the time is getting closer, I'm getting more tired. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to this. <laughs> I was like, I really don't. But I was like, I got to keep my word. I told her I'd be there. And I logged in and I, I met this. Well, I met this these two women. But I met one in particular who kept talking about someone else. I'm like, who, who, who is this person she keeps referencing? So I wrote his name down, sought him out. You know, we, we connected. We got on the phone. I ended up speaking at one of his virtual summits. He came on my podcast. I went on his podcast. And he connected me with someone else who connected me. And this, this woman, Tina, she's the one that connected me with the Israeli immigrant I spoke about earlier. Yeah, so, but all from that one networking event, it sprung out to 20 different connections. <laughs> it <laughs> almost always does. Yes. Yeah, but it's unreal when you actually stop, stop judging people and listen to them. <laughs> Great things can happen. But it's like we spend so much time judging other people instead of what can we learn from that person? Yes. And how can I help support you? And you're going to help support me. And, you know, it, that's how the world works in, yes. in the most beautiful way. If Absolutely. We there it is. I was good. I was going to say we have we have to let that happen. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So now want to give a final, final word? Uh, just thank <laughs> you so much. This has been so fun. We could, I could do this all day. <laughs> me too. For real. So thank you. Like I said earlier, thank you for taking the time because I'm sure there's other things you could be doing at, you know, this time in the morning. Sorry, it's morning. There, you watch lunch, lunchtime here, <laughs> you know. But uh, this was awesome. So for, for those of you who, who just tuned to, or were just tuning in, make sure you go back to the beginning, you know, dig into Dawn's backstory, hear about her app, her African trip, trip experience into what she's doing now and see how you can help and how, how you can support. So again, thank you very much for, for being here. Much appreciated. Thank you. And pleasure. Have a great day. You too. All right. So as I said, go back, listen, listen to this whole episode. You know, every episode we do, we learn some, something new. I have a notebook full of knowledge. Every guest that has been on this show, I take notes. Because like not, yeah, I may be the host of the show, but I'm also a student to life. And everyone that comes on this show, I learn some something new every single time. So this is why I love doing this. this is why I'm going to keep doing this. And again, that that when that Monday show starts, it's going to be an eye opener. You know, so I'm still going to do this one. Don't get me wrong, because this one's all about uplifting and inspiring. The other one is about bringing people together. Now, you can think a debate show is tearing people apart. No, we're going to bring people together with, with this show because that's what I'm good at. So on that note, you guys have yourselves a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore b underscore foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.